Good morning, everyone. Well, it's a delight to be with you. Thank you for praying for me. Some of you realize that my wife of 62 years uh, died about six months ago. So this has been a very interesting period of my life. I guess I cry every day, not very long, but I remember. And I also praise the Lord a great deal. And I, I found that I've entered in a period of my life that I guess it's the most spiritual time of my whole life. I have been a Christian about 70 years. And so I have seen a lot of things in churches and so forth. And I've conducted a, a number of funerals. But um, when it happens to you, it's different. And I have a whole new understanding of sympathy for those that have to walk through that valley. We wish that you, you and I and everyone else would not have to do this, but everyone's going to die unless Jesus comes. He is coming, but I mean in your lifetime. And in the grace of God, uh, if you die, you go to a better place. Praise the Lord. I'm, I'm very confident of that. Well, I, uh, I'm going to talk to you about a subject, but I, I'm not going to uh, mention the title, all right? And I'm going to start off in a negative way. You know, when you have a word, you can look in the dictionary and find synonyms, words that mean the same thing, or antonyms, which means words that are just the opposite. So I am going to start out by some definitions, some words that define just the opposite of what I want to talk about. All right? Can you imagine uh, a church that would stand for this or would you think that if you were a Christian that this should describe you? Fail, lose, be unfortunate, be unsuccessful, decrease, be fruitless, grow poor. <laughs> well, if, if this describes you, uh, please forgive me because I don't think God wants you to stay in that state. But that's just the opposite of what the Scripture talks about when it talks of prosperity and of being fruitful. Uh, listen to this. This is just the opposite. And this, I believe, is what the Lord would like to see for your life. Prosper, prosperity, um, thrive, gain, get on, get ahead, make good, be fortunate, come off well, run smoothly, be successful, flourish, succeed. Advance, increase, progress, flower, bear fruit, grow rich. I suppose especially the last one, grow rich. <laughs> well, I've heard uh, prosperity preaching all of my life, and I've done my share of it, I guess. But I also have been in a number of countries where there's not very much prosperity. And I have observed situations where people really are prosperous, but they don't have a great deal 
of the things that are usually thought of as the things that will make you prosperous. But I'm going to, uh, in a moment, read a scripture from Ephesians that I think will be quite challenging. In fact, you might have a hard time believing what I'm going to preach from. But uh, first of all, let me just uh, quote from John 15, verse 5 through 8, where Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. So we're talking about this kind of spiritual and natural blessing that God brings to an individual. But Jesus says he wants you to bear fruit. He doesn't want you to be fruitless. <laughs> For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Well, just a few more little references before I come up with my key text. I guess you've heard this before. If you've been a Bible reader or attended church very long, Third John 2, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, even as your soul prospers. You've probably heard people especially quote the first part of that, to prosper and be in health. But the last part is significant. Even as you are prospering spiritually, you will prosper in the way that the Lord wishes. When Joshua was getting ready to leave Israel, the Lord came to him, challenged him to stay with the word of God, and then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Now, I'm not ignorant of what's going on in America and the nations today, and I'm aware that perhaps some of you are without work. Maybe some of you are having a, just a real hard time. Maybe you've had to readjust your whole life. Well, when those things come, I don't think the Christian church is supposed to just back away and just let it all happen. I think we can assume a, an attitude of mind that can be blessed of God regardless of our circumstances so that we can prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. Um, Deuteronomy 28.2, Moses listed a whole bunch of things that would be happening if you're following God. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Overtake. Just imagine you're walking along and like someone is going to come upon you and take you down. Well, just think of it from a positive standpoint. Prosperity and the blessing of God wants to come upon you, wants to take over your life. The Lord wants to bless you. Well, I, I'm, this is kind of a challenging thought. I uh, preached enough to know how people kind of react. I react to sermons very much the way you do. And maybe it will click with you and maybe it won't. But you'll have to deal with these scriptures one way or the other. So I have chosen, chosen, 
I have chosen. <laughs> I have chosen to accept these scriptures and just allow them to begin to work in my life. I don't want you to have to take 70 years before Christianity starts to work for you. I have to admit, things are clicking along the way I think God wants them to in my life at this point. But as I said, I've been a Christian 70 years. Well, I don't want you younger people especially to have to wait 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, 5 years before you start to see the power of the Lord working in your life and these principles actually taking root in your life. The Lord wants you to be fruitful. Regardless of your age, regardless of your circumstances, you can indeed be fruitful. Um, there's two negative words, again, uh, that are used in the Scripture. Like in Ephesians 4.30, it talks about how we're not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, we hear a lot about the Holy Spirit, but we don't hear very much preaching about grieving the Holy Spirit. But I think uh, sometimes people have problems. I know I have in my life in that I have been doing things that grieve the Holy Spirit. What in the world would I be doing to grieve the Holy Spirit? When you grieve the Holy Spirit, it's much like a parent that is grieved that their child, for instance, is going uh, in the wrong direction and that the drugs or whatever they're getting connected with uh, are going to actually produce death in their child. Well, the parent doesn't, do, doesn't dislike the child. In fact, there's a greater love that comes out to just reach out and help the child. But the parent is grieved. Well, the Holy Spirit in each of our lives, is delighted with, uh, with you when you're following the Lord, but there are many times when the Holy Spirit is grieved. Another word is the word stifle or put out or extinguish. Uh, quench is the way the, New, the King James Version uses it. First Thessalonians chapter 5, don't quench the Spirit. So we're not to grieve the Spirit, but we're not to quench the Spirit. Well, I think we all understand that although we talk a lot about the Holy Spirit, for instance, from John uh, 14, 15, and 16, the Lord's discourse is for a farewell discourse in which he talks about he's going to send the Holy Spirit. Well, many of us have read over those chapters many, many times, but we still haven't learned how to let the Holy Spirit lead us and guide us. Uh, I preached a great deal about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Spirit, and I think the churches need to hear this. But at the same time, we also need to learn how to work with the Holy Spirit that is abiding in our life, that we do not grieve the Spirit and we do not quench the Spirit. You could actually take those words and make it positive. Rather than quenching the Spirit, I'm going to satisfy the Spirit. I'm going to work with the Spirit. I'm going to honor the Holy Spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I'm not qu just telling you stop quenching the Spirit, but if, if for instance, uh, you're tempted, I know as a teenager I was taught, well, you use the Word of God. You quote the Word of God if you're being tempted. So I've uh, 
I think like many of you, I have just quoted and quoted until I just almost exhausted myself and still no deliverance. But I have discovered that just uh, being aware that the temptation or whatever the situation you find yourself in that you know, you know because of the Bible and because of of the preaching of the word, you understand that this situation is not one that the Holy Spirit will be happy with, and yet you find yourself being drawn into the, into the situation. One good way to overcome is not just to quote the Bible in resisting the devil and challenging the devil and trying to cast the devil out, although that, that can work too, but have you ever tried to just say, Holy Spirit, I sense this situation and I find myself being drawn into this situation. I don't, listen to this now, I don't want to grieve you. Holy Spirit, guide me so that I do not succumb to this temptation or I don't do this action or whatever it is that you know is wrong. Or if you feel like the Holy Spirit is moving upon your life, don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the gifts of the Spirit. Don't quench the fruit of the Spirit. Just deliberately talk with the Holy Spirit. Lord, you really know what the situation I'm in. I'm asking you to help me so that I will walk pleasing to you. If you begin to do that, you'll find prosperity beginning to break out in your life in a tremendous way. God wants to do this for you. Would you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4? Verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were uh, sealed for the day of redemption. Then he talks about getting rid of bitterness and anger and all these things. And he talks about walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, we can't see the Holy Spirit. He's like the wind. We feel him. We see the effects of his moving, but we, we just don't have something as tangible as we would like. But I have discovered that the Holy Spirit could come and become just very extremely real in your life. I hate to say that it took the death of my wife to bring me into what has been the deepest experience of my Christianity of walking with the Lord, of talking with the Lord, having the Lord talk with me. Sometimes younger people especially say, well, you, we hear the older Christians talk about how God talks to them. Do you realize that the Lord can impress your mind, put words into your mind? He can communicate with you? Well, how do, how do you know that isn't just my own mind? You will know because of the clarity the freshness of it, the genuineness of it, and by what the Holy Spirit has to say. You, you know, with all of our talk in all of the evangelical churches about, 
of being led of the Spirit and having the Spirit and uh, you know, all the things that we talk about, one of the greatest things is having that abiding presence and you being sensitive to that presence. I think many of us, the Holy Spirit is working with us and in us, but there's not much of a response on our part so that the Holy Spirit can't give the direction that we do need. I believe the Lord wants to give us a lot more direction than we are getting. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. All right, I, I'm going to uh, read uh, a passage from Ephesians chapter 3 now. Ephesians 3.20, this is the key verse. Now to him who is able, of course, him who is able refers to God. God is able. We sing that. But now to him who is able, now listen to this, to do exceedingly, abundantly. Now, that's kind of old English. We don't talk like that. I doubt that anyone here has used that unless you've quoted this verse of the Bible. I mean, you wouldn't say that sort of thing. But Paul is really trying to say something, to do something exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Now, wait a minute. You can ask for great things. You can think of great things. But God is able. Now, watch my gestures here. It's very simple. But to get the point across, God, who is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all that you ask or even think, some versions say uh, that you even imagine. How could that possibly be? Well, for instance, uh, take, take Amram and Jochebed. How many know who those two people were? How many uh, think you know? <laughs> well, uh, th they were the parents of Moses. Amram and Jochebed. Remember that. You might be in a Bible quiz sometime, and that's a good thing to remember. At any rate, here they've got this beautiful baby, but Pharaoh is determined to kill all the male children in, in, uh, in among the Israelites and drown them in the river and so forth. This couple, look at this child. Now remember, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or even think. Now, all these parents basically have in mind is to preserve the life of the child. Now, along with all the other Israelites, they're suffering. They're in servitude to Pharaoh. It's a pretty difficult type of slavery they're living under. So, you know the story probably of how they put the baby in a, in a basket and just covered it over and shoved it out into the reeds of the river. And, and Miriam, the older uh, sister uh, kind of watched from a distance. Well, the point I'm making is now those parents were thinking, preserve our child. God desires to do something exceeding abundantly above and beyond anything that we ask or think. But now just in the, just realize they put the baby into the basket. They don't realize that the whole deliverance of Israel out of Egypt is going to take place 
It's above their thinking. They haven't even comprehended how that could take place. The Red Sea is going to open. Manna is going to be given. And on and on it goes. It all began by a couple just having a a need, but believing God is going to preserve their child, not even realizing what God is going to do exceeding abundantly above all they ask or even think. Well, another illustration is from uh, Abram and uh, his wife, Sarah. I mean, when you're 100 years old, you're not thinking about having a child. Um, They had kind of given up on the subject, but God speaks to them. And God even says, your seed is going to be like the dust of the ground or like uh, the sand of the sea or like the stars of the the heavens. He uses those three illustrations. Well, you know, Abraham looks up and it's just overwhelming. He can't count the stars. So uh, it's even God speaking to him. It's exceeding abundantly above all that he can even ask or think. He was just concerned about having one child that could be the inheritor of all that he had. And God was thinking way, way beyond that. Well, that's a good verse. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And then, comma, the rest of this is mighty important. According to the power that works in us. I don't mean just explosive power, just that you can speak in tongues or do something like that, but that you have an awareness of God abiding in your life and you're going to cooperate with God so that the Spirit of the Lord can lead you and guide you and do what is way beyond even your wildest imagination. I think I think to get this happening in our life, we have to be uh, kind of be brought down to zero. I don't know if you've ever prayed this way or not, but in the time that I've been in ministry and serving the Lord, I, a few times I've prayed like this, but this uh, prayer I'm going to talk about goes back around two years ago. I was no longer pastoring. I felt like the... It was time for me to stop pastoring. Uh, although it's very hard for pastors to stop pastoring. <laughs> but, but at any rate, uh, I kind of phased into a traveling ministry, going to churches like this and preaching and teaching. And uh, I felt like the Lord wanted me to, to write books. Well... I don't know. I got I got in kind of a d- discouraged uh, state of mind. I I just was kind of uncertain how it's all going to happen, and I prayed a prayer that I can't hardly believe I prayed. I just uh, have you ever prayed a prayer like that? That that you did I pray that prayer, <laughs> or have you prayed a prayer and then you think? If I was God and I listened to that prayer, would I answer that? <laughs> but at any rate, here I've been a Christian so long and I served the Lord and it just, I just 
Well, I was by myself, and I just... Have you ever felt like when you, the burden of what you're praying about, you just sink, even sink physically lower and lower, and then you find yourself right on the floor, and you're just, oh, God. And so this thought came to me, and I said, Lord... Uh, and in my mind, I realized this is an impossible prayer that I'm praying. I want you to do more for me in my last years than you did for me in all of the former years of serving you and loving you. And I, and I pray that was the gist of my praying. And I just suddenly became aware of such a deep peace. I realized I, I really touched the mind of God and he really touched me to give me that thought. And I was actually praying somewhat like that verse, only I wasn't using that expression, exceeding abundantly above all I ask or think. But I was asking him to do more in my life through me. And I felt, well, here I am, my physical strength is not what it has been. I'm losing, no, I started to say I'm losing my mind. I'm losing my, I'm losing my memory. <laughs> my income is not what it, it has been. Uh, wow. I, I got up from the floor and I was just, amazed. And for about two weeks, I just kind of walked around thinking, God really heard that prayer. And I, but after about two weeks, I began to think, how is he going to do this? How is he going to do this? I guess we all tend to ask that question. And I think we have a right to have some direction. So I went back to prayer. And as I was waiting upon God, I just felt like well, I was kind of repraying the prayer, only I was saying, well, now, Lord, I need to know how, what you want to do, how this is to be done. I can't describe being so mentally void of an answer and of what, how, the, how the word could come to pass, how the prayer could be fulfilled. Well, it says, exceeding abundantly, abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. And part of the power that works in us is the Holy Spirit guiding us to pray in such a way that the Holy Spirit and the Father and the Son can be involved in your life and bring to pass what He would like to have take place. Well, I, I found like myself praying again, and the words came to me. Now, when I tell you what the words were, you will, you will think, well, most people understand that. The words that came to me were the Internet. Well, I, uh, I really don't like, I use a computer every day. I don't particularly like computers. I don't like iPhones. I don't like websites. I don't, I don't like to get involved with that. 
I'm saying that because some of you would say, might say, well, well the, way, the Internet, that's a good idea. I'm going to run right out, and I'm, that's going to be how I'm going to succeed. Well, you better get down on the floor and just find out what God's got to say to you before you go getting involved in the Internet. The Internet. Oh, God. I, I don't know the first thing about doing this. You're going to have to send somebody into my life that can help me do this thing. Well, it wasn't long after that that uh, I found a small publisher who was, I didn't know that he even knew me, but I called him and he got so excited, I just said my name, and he just went berserk, it seemed. I couldn't believe. How could anybody get ex- that excited about knowing me? He said, I've heard you preach. I've listened to your tapes. I've read your books. Oh, you want to publish a book? I, Oh, this guy went on and on. I couldn't believe it. He was just, how in the world, you know, when you get a bunch of rejection slips from publishers, to have somebody excited, just a little bit excited, it's unbelievable. Well, about two years have gone by, and finally, uh, my website is up. It's not quite finished yet, and uh, we, myself and this publisher have got all my books bought up and brought under this one canopy. I just, uh, I just can't believe, in addition to that, how just trying to be faithful to do what I'm supposed to do, not hardly knowing what to do, just getting moving in the direction that God wants you to go to find the blessing of the Lord start to release in your life. Just start to release in your life. Now, I used to feel as a minister that if I preach like this, it's my job to tell you how the Lord can do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or think. I don't have to do that. The Lord has made it clear to me that if the Word of God is listened to, the Word of God, the Spirit of God, the will of God, it can all take place for you and it doesn't have to be explained by me or any other preacher. I mean, you just take the word just like anybody else who has had experience with it and it will work for you. Now, I'm aware that perhaps there are some here that you, you don't have a job at the moment or I'm aware that maybe you've been laid off or whatever. We're aware of all of that. I understand that. But I'm saying that if we can rise up in the Spirit of the Lord and say, now, Lord, we're in a desperate situation, but I am believing you. I'm trusting you. You said you do exceeding abundantly above all I ask or even think according to the power that works in me. Work in me. Speak to me. Show me what I must do. Show me the direction that I must go. Wow. Now, for many Christians, what I'm saying sounds like a foreign language. I mean, is that part of Christianity? 
I believe it is part of Christianity. I don't believe you, everybody has to become rich monetarily. You, I'm not saying you'll all be millionaires, but I'm saying according to the way you think, God will work with you and perform miracles in your life and transform your life so that you are prospering and in health. Your soul is prospering. You're discerning the voice of the Lord speaking in your life. Wow. Uh, let me read this from a few other versions. The NIV says, Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, the New American Standard Version says, far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, Uh, contemporary English version says, His power at work in us can do far more than we dare ask or imagine. <laughs> now let me uh, show you one way that you can develop this kind of a mentality. Um, sometimes people say, I don't really know how to pray. Well, when you go through the book of Psalms, uh, don't be like the average person who just skims through. You know, you're reading the Bible through, so you find the shortest psalms and read them. <laughs> you leave Psalm 119 until the end. Well, um, I, want, I want to just mention to you that there are some sayings in the psalms that we are supposed to use. It tells us to use these words. Um, Psalm thirty-five, twenty-seven, and let them say continually, "Let the Lord be magnified." That's the phrase, and then the rest. Who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant? Now I'm going to ask you to repeat those words after me, but notice you're supposed to say it continually. It's to be a mindset with you. Continually, it's to be in your mind, let the Lord be magnified. It isn't just give me a job, feed me, make me wealthy. <laughs> you know how we pray. Me, 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 me. The Holy Spirit gets so grieved and tired of that. Why don't they just shut up about that? And God has something so much better than they can even ask for if they just not grieve God. Well, let the Lord be magnified. Just say that uh, calmly. Let the Lord be magnified. Well, that wasn't too good. <laughs> We're going to say it three times. Why three times? Well, because you don't get it the first and second time. We're going to say, let the Lord be magnified. Just say it calmly then louder, and then the third time, real loud. How many are going to cooperate with me? Okay. Let the Lord be magnified. Let the Lord be magnified. Let the Lord be magnified. You know, it does a person a world of good to just kind of shake yourself up a little bit and speak out and 
gesture a little bit and just realize I am alive. I'm still alive. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> well, also in Psalm 40, verse 16, we're to say continuously, the Lord be magnified. I like the way the Good News uh, translation puts it. How great is the Lord. The Lord is to be exalted. Do you understand what you're doing? When you concentrate on that, and it's been a continuous thought in your life, when you come before God, you are, it's a form of worship. Let God be magnified. I mean, you're not just, well, we've all, I think most of us have gone to church and we're aware of the hymns and all the, the statements that we make in our various churches, and it kind of goes in one ear and out the other. But what I am saying here, like this expression, it appear, appears a number of times in the book of Psalms. The Lord be magnified, or how great is the Lord. Three times, how great is the Lord. 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 <laughs> Psalm 70, verse 4. Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. If you've got a serious prayer request, well, start to magnify God. Start to focus upon Him. And let those who love your salvation say continually, there it is again, let God be magnified. Let God be magnified. Let God <laughs> Hallelujah. Someone says, well, what did the old guy preach about this morning? <laughs> Psalm 57, 7. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. Can you say that? My heart is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. So the next time you don't know what to pray about, well, I have 10 minutes. I could pray, but I might as well watch TV. I might as well get out my cell phone or whatever way you do things. I'm, I'm just suggesting that you begin to talk continuously, as the Bible says, about this idea of magnifying God, telling God how great he is how great he is. And it isn't just your, you know, we don't do this with people, so it's a little strange trying to do it with God. But if in your mind there is this dependence upon God and this belief in God, this absolute sold-out attitude toward God, you're going to find that you are going to be blessed as you go out, blessed when you come in, Blessed when you stand up. Blessed when you lie down. Blessed is the man whose God is the Lord. Well, well, here's another one. Psalm 66, verses 2 and 3. Sing out the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your works. Have you ever said that to God? Well, it says that we're supposed to, It says it. Three words, say to God, how awesome are your works. 
How awesome are your works? How awesome are your works? <laughs> the Good News Translation puts it like this. How wonderful are the things you do? If you say, if you didn't like the other words, well, all right, get more contemporary. How wonderful are the things you do? In, in that spot of being reduced down to nothing, you say, oh, if I'm reduced down to nothing, well, what is left? Well, nothing. <laughs> You're kind of like Abraham. He, he's supposed to sacrifice his child. I know that sometimes that's hard for people to grasp. Actually, the angel of the Lord stopped him just in time to show us that he's not pleased with child sacrifice, and also to show to Abraham that the Lord will provide. So here's the ram caught in the bushes, and at the last minute, he comes in as the substitute for Abraham's son, Isaac. Well, Abraham knew this boy, if I kill this boy... He is really the only one to carry on my line. Yet God has told me to do this. Well, then when God stopped him, the revelation of God as a provider swept over him. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. So it became a saying in Israel, on the mount, the Lord will provide. That is on the place where you need help, there will be help available. Well, I need a job. We're not diminishing the fact that there is that need, but you've got to find the place where God wants you to be, and on the mount, in the place where the Lord has called you to do, or whatever it is, on the mount, the Lord will provide. If you're down over here in some other valley somewhere, I don't think he's going to be obligated. But where you, when you are where God wants you to be, and you say, well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I've never heard from God. I, you know, the way some of you are looking at me, I, I think maybe you're a little concerned that my message will not apply to you. Yes, it will apply to you. Snap out of it. Get going with this thing. Boy, that felt good. <laughs> How wonderful, God, are the things that you do. Well, I'm going to close with this uh, reference from 2 Corinthians 12.9. We've all heard about Paul's thorn in the flesh, whether it's a physical ailment or health problem or people or, you know, there's all kinds of answers. I'm actually glad that he didn't tell us what was wrong with him. But in the New King James, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, says it like this. My grace, God speaking, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. I thought I needed to be strong. No, uh, you be weak and then you will be strong. You're like someone who is a... Uh, you, you only 
are capable of lifting so much, but this great machine fastens around you and so that you are suddenly able to lift a thousand pounds. Who did the lifting? Well, you were the brains behind it. You were the, the heart of the mechanism, but it was the machine that did it. He's going to do that for you too. Now listen to the way the Amplified puts this. But he said to me, My grace, my favor, my loving kindness, my mercy, is enough for you. It's sufficient against any danger and enables you to bear the trouble manfully. For my strength and power are made perfect, they're fulfilled and completed, and show themselves most effective in your weakness. Ah, now we're getting to the reason behind this. God is being magnified. God is being glorified. That's why we were... I don't just go around trying to be a pep leader in churches and have these little slogans and get people kind of reacting. Uh, I guess it's kind of fun in one way, but there's more behind it than that. It's to get people moving in the revelation of the fact that God is magnified and that in your weakened condition, there is help for you. He can send somebody into your life. He can send help on the mount. It will be provided. Oh, I don't want him to help me. Oh, I don't like that kind of help. Oh, this and oh, that. I don't know. I, maybe it's because of my age. I've come into the, the place where I just am happy for any kind of help I can get at all. I don't know why, but one day somebody wanted to help me across the street. That's oh, fine. Just help me across. <laughs> Your day is coming if you if you live long enough. But I'm telling you, the great secret of Christianity is allow the Holy Spirit to work and don't try to be in control of things. It doesn't mean that he's just going to wipe out your brain power. The Lord will use your brain and every other part of your being. But don't let it monopolize and take over and replace God. Keep saying continuously, uh, what was that? I forgot. Oh, oh. Where's my nose? I've... No, you do it so continuously that you know, let the Lord be magnified. Are you under conviction? Or are you having some kind of a fit? What, what's going on down here? That's the witness of the Spirit! I've just come into a recklessness with my Christianity. I'm about to die anyhow, so I'm going to go out <laughs> smiling. But really, the Lord, He wants to help every last one of you. Amen. Yes, He does. Yes, He does. Amen. Now, you know, I think we would like to come to church and have a prophetic word. And God can give prophetic words, but I've discovered... I don't need to wait for a prophet. 
I mean, I can talk to the Lord. The Lord can talk to me. We can all be sensitive. There's a time and a place for everything. But really, what I have tried to do here this morning, and I realize I'm just stumbling all over the place. Not embarrassed at all, but I'm telling that God wants to bless each one of you, and he's got something in mind for you. And I don't care how you high you think, how broad is the thing in the project you have in mind, he has something You understand what I just did, right? Yes, yes of course. So, I am bringing my message to a close. And I am just saying, you know how, how preachers say, Hunch, come to the front, we'll pray for you. I hate to tell you this, I'm just tired of it. I have prayed for hundreds and hundreds of people. Sometimes the same person is in the line again. And we say, you don't believe. I think it goes deeper than that. And I believe that if we will wake up and seek the mind of God and find the direction for our life, it's on the mount that it will be provided. Amen.